message is victorious motherhood. We're going to begin in the book of Philippians, so if you would, open your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. And then I don't have the coronavirus, I just got wet eyes and it's causing my sinuses to be a little worse. I've heard it said, you cannot tell how well you raise your children until you see how well they raise your grandchildren. And uh, I stand here as a proud father to announce my children in most cases are doing well. Occasionally they're a little harsh on my grandchildren. I don't understand that. Now while I'm sure that there's some truth in this statement that you can't tell how well you raise your children until you see how well they raise your grandchildren, I'm also sure that uh, it's not always true. You've been around for a, a generation or two, and I know some of us have been, and some of y'all have been around uh, longer than a generation or two. know that you've met people that are good people whose children turned out perfect. And you can probably think about some children who turned out to be great adults despite their parents. You know what I'm talking about? Being a good parent, being a good mother, a good father can be difficult to do. It can be difficult to determine if someone is or if you are a good father or a good mother. And, and, and uh, I say the reason is that is that children go through phases. You know what I'm talking about? They go through phases that, that make you wonder that make you pull your hair out. They go through phases where you just stand amazed and you say, thank you, Jesus. I don't know what you did, but this is a great child. I can't take credit for this. Two-year-olds. I'm shy on two-year-olds right now. Our youngest grandchildren are three. That tells me we're late on delivery of the latest batch of grandchildren. But two-year-olds can test your parental patience. You know what I'm talking about? I can remember when our boys were coming up, and they called it the terrible two. As a grand, as a grandfather, I call them the terrific two. I love two-year-olds. They are so much fun. They seem to develop their own minds, and when they're teenagers, they lose it. Actually, forgot 
time frame and the endorphins and the hormones and all those things are busting loose, screwing up your brain so you don't know what's going on anymore, that, that it, it permanently impregnates those teenage memories and hopefully you'll grow out of them by the time you're 40. Yeah. 
not a good one, but to be a victorious one. Philippians chapter 2. I, I find my inspiration for this message in a young man's life, a young man named Timothy. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 12. Do you have your Bibles open to Philippians chapter 2? Philippians chapter 2. Maybe you have your phone open to Philippians chapter 2. But whatever, get it in front of you. I'll be reading from the New King James version of the Bible. Philippians chapter 2. And let's begin in verse 12. Y'all with me? Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as light in the world. Now, church, you get that message right there. We're supposed to shine as light in the world. With darkness, the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain nor labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your faith. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your faith. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Apostle Paul wants to know the condition of the people of the church of Philippi. He's unable to visit them because he is detained. He himself, at the time of the writing of this letter, could not go, so he sent Timothy to Timothy. Timothy inspires me, not because he was sent by Paul. Timothy inspires me because of why he was sent by Paul. Look at Philippians 2.20 again. Philippians 2.20. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your faith. Timothy was unique. Paul said there's no one else like Timothy. Paul said Timothy was the only person that he knew he could send who was like Timothy sincerely cared about the spiritual condition of the people. You know what the bottom line is? Timothy thought like Paul. That's not a bad. That's not a bad marker. I wish that all teenagers thought like Paul. I wish that all twenty-somethings thought like Paul. I just wish that everybody I come in contact with who is saved and professes the name of Jesus thought like. 
thinking like some man named Paul. I want you to think about the Lord Jesus Christ, whom Paul thought like. And Timothy thought like. Timothy sincerely cared about the spiritual condition of people. You know, we can we can sincerely care about people, but not care about their spiritual well-being. I say that, but that's not true. If we were lost people, if we didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we hadn't been born again to a living hope, if we hadn't been bought by the blood of Jesus, then I would say we could sincerely, to the best of our unsaved, dead ability, love people and care for people sincerely. But when you are born again in Christ Jesus, when you're born again to a living hope, there's a whole new level of care. I don't want to see people starving and naked. But I'd rather see them starving and naked than lost without Jesus. This coronavirus thing has given us a little taste of a loss of freedom. Prison bars can't lock up the Christian and people from being who they are. Then a home arrest can't stop you from being who you are. The Apostle Paul would testify to us on that if he could because he had been there, done it. Philippians 2.21, look with me. Why is it? Paul says, for all seek their own and not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Timothy was more concerned with other people and their relationship with Jesus Christ than he was with his own well-being. Timothy's focus was on the souls of people, not on material things. He was more concerned with eternity than he was with today. The word you find in the Proverbs time and time again is prudence. It's not a word we use much nowadays, but prudence is what you have when you apply wisdom to your life. You see, prudence is not just concerned about what's going on right now. Prudence is concerned with the future. And I'm telling you, it's prudent to surrender your life to Jesus Christ today. Because you don't know the future. Without Christ, the future is going one way. With Christ, you have eternity. Verse 22. But you know his true character. That as a son with his father, he served me in the gospel. Timothy had proven begging for years 
Peter and John come walking in, and he says, begging for money. And, and they look at him and they say, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. The man got up and walked. I don't picture him walking myself. I've seen Dan for years. If I couldn't walk for years and I can walk now, I'm a happy man. But he grabbed his shoulder. Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. 
But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your strength. For I have no one like-minded who can truly care for your faith. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son of his father, he served with me in the gospel. It was love, not compassion. It was the grace of God. Timothy served out of the love of God.
had the character that it took to live no matter where they were or what was going on. Paul needed somebody to go to the church in Corinth. Think about that, folks. Do you know about the church in Corinth? You don't send a novice to Corinth. You don't send a lily livered little willy willy You send a man that knows Jesus Christ and knows the truth. Why? Because he was going to have to hear. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 10. Are you all with me there? Getting better. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 10. Are you sure you're with me? All right. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. For he does the work of the Lord. And I also do. Who he does. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. For he does the work of the Lord. Closing remarks of Paul's letter to the church of Corinth. It's simple. It's just a few words. It's profound because it describes the character of Timothy. Timothy does the work of the Lord. Timothy does the work of the Lord. May it be said of me. If the church isn't going to do the work of the Lord, who's going to do it? Well, old Cyrus was the church, you know, and he did the work of the Lord. Glad he's in. God could raise up whoever he wants. Yeah. And he chose the church. You think you need just stumbling through the gospel with people for people to get saved? the testimony of Muslims who wake up in the middle of the night, this bright, white-clothed man speaking to him, saying, Repent and believe on me, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? It scares the Islam out. And they come to Christ. God doesn't need the church. And unfortunately, some congregations of the church don't think they need God.
realize that we are limited to less than 200 years on earth? If you haven't figured that out yet, you best get to work. You say, we can't limit God. No, but just looking at the records for the last couple thousand years, I haven't met him to see you years. You've got to go all the way back to Abraham's time to find anybody that could have Abraham's time. You know Shem, Noah's son? You know he died 25 years after Abraham? Think about it. I don't think we're going to get to say that. I'm hoping that the Lord drops this or something. It could happen right now. I might be busy with it. If he wants to wait until tomorrow, that's his prerogative. But Timothy was actively engaged in obedience to the Lord Almighty. Timothy was working not according to his will, but according to God's will. Timothy knew who he was employed by. Come on now. And he served. Do you know who you're employed by? Not the person that writes your check. The person that writes your life. did it in the same manner that Paul did. I'd like to have that on your job resume. This guy works like Paul the Apostle. Chains, shipwrecks, beatings, prisons, people leaving him to catch on to people. Yet the truth, Paul did mentor Timothy like a But the foundation, the foundation of Timothy's life was laid before he ever met Paul. Go with me to 2 Timothy. And that statement's presumptuous because, well, the Bible doesn't say that. But it does give us some hints towards it. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Are you all with me there? Beginning in verse 1. I like conflict. I want God to just grab verses out of the middle of nowhere unless you don't want to be here for three hours or something. I'm going to be there for conflict. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. Now let me see just a second. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. 
Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has called us, who has saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our work, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has, I'll get this part now, folks, who has abolished death and brought life and immorality, immortality, not immorality, we brought that ourselves, life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a teacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Second Timothy was written by Paul to Timothy. Timothy was serving at that time as the pastor in Ephesus. the genuine faith that was in him. 
helps you out. You can thank God for helping out. But the most important thing that you can thank God for is a genuine faith that dwells in and if that genuine faith is not in them, the most important thing you can talk to God about them about is not that they start acting like Christians, but that they become Christians. Folks, when it comes to the calling of the children of the message, the invitation, I want to remind you that if you are a born again child of God, and you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you confess with your mouth that If you have called upon the name of the Lord and asked Him to save you, then it's time to pray. If you please pray for people you know who live like they don't know I don't think God's going to get mad at us for praying for saved people to get saved when they're not acting like they're saved. The New King James Version translates genuine is Possessing Christ Jesus and being possessed by Christ Jesus. Paul rejoiced and thanked God because Timothy's faith was genuine. It caused him to know that not only does this young man have an eternal home in heaven, but when he needs him, he can send him to a place like Ephesus or to a place like Corinth and know that he can train the church. All that the Lord would raise up more. Have you ever had a person who played a role in a movie, maybe a television program, someone that you really connected with and you begin to like that person? You know what I'm talking about? I've met people who have more strength in their relationship with people on TV than they do in They relate better with people on the flat screen than on the round earth. The 
get drawn into the character that the actor is portraying. Thank you. 
makes you humble. Stand up. And as I turned from my family that they were standing around, I began to wipe the sweat off my brow. I turned around and she was most up. She asked me about her feet and she closed me down. Genuine faith that was in Timothy. 
Notice, Paul greatly desired to see Timothy. Paul prayed for Timothy. Paul was filled with joy when he saw Timothy. But what Paul thanked God for was the genuine faith that was in Timothy. We should thank God for the genuine faith that is in our Christian brothers and sisters. We should thank God for the genuine faith that is in our children, our grandchildren, our parents. the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Timothy was not the first person in his family to have genuine faith. Timothy's grandmother Lois had Timothy's grandmother had genuine faith before Timothy did. Timothy's grandmother had genuine faith. Timothy's mother had genuine faith before Timothy. Now this, this brings us to the last point. Mother, it's Mother's Day, right? Do you want the greatest gift that you can ever give to your children? You see, the greatest gift you can ever give to your children lived out in a life that demonstrates genuine faith. As you live out genuine faith and you proclaim the gospel, I, I don't, I, I've heard it said, you know, preach the gospel always and when necessary use words. But that's not a truth in faith that was ever
they could immediately identify a copy because they wouldn't be watching the video. They wouldn't be led away by the waves of the video. You see, hypocrisy is a characteristic that is in the world. Hypocrisy produces actors who play a part. Genuine faith produces cultural Chapter 51. Let's look at verses 4 through 8. Are you all with me there? I know we had to go all back for another 300 years. Isaiah 51, beginning in verse 4. Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation. God speaking here. The law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice less as a light of the people. My righteousness is near. My salvation is gone forth. The coastlands will wait upon me, and, and on my arm they will trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look on the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish away like smoke, and the earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever. And my righteousness will not be abolished. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people in whose hearts is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men, nor be afraid of their insults. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation, are you getting this, folks? My salvation from generation to generation. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will go old like a garment. But God's salvation is forever. God's righteousness is forever. God's salvation.
victorious motherhood is found only in Christ's name. Thank you. 